Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Cannabis Marketing Live podcast, where we cover the most effective marketing trends and strategies to grow your cannabis brand, delivery service, and dispensary. I'm your host, Guillermo Bravo, and today we'll be discussing how to not let bun tenders tank your cannabis brand. We're joined by Luna Stauer, who is the Chief Impact Officer of iSpire Dope Hardware. Welcome to the show, Luna. Thank you, Guillermo. Such a pleasure to be here with you. Likewise, likewise. Uh, before we kick it off today, I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor, MediaGel. MediaGel is the leading marketing platform helping cannabis brands reach consumers through their compliant ad network with real-time reporting, analytics dashboard, and conversion tracking. All right, so let's uh, let's kick it off here. So, you know, you have a ton of background in the cannabis industry. Uh, you've been on the front lines, you have your own brand, uh, you have your own equipment brand. Like, Why does the bud tender door rotate so quickly and what can dispensaries do to cut, the, cut down on staff turnover? So I have a really unique perspective. Um, mm. I started out selling cartridges into dispensaries around 2014-15 with Jetty Extracts. Okay. Um, and was um, one of the first, you know, cartridge brands out there. I think it was like Bloom Farms and Gold Drop and a couple others, but really there was not many cartridges back then. Um, so, you know, I have that side of it. We also now, you know, do white label vapes. So we still work with brands selling through vapes in the stores, but also with our dab devices, um, like the dab and the wand, these are really cool, um, kind of pieces for retailers to have, to be able to move through their concentrates. Um, we're also seeing, um, a lot of in-store activity based on, on the devices and the education side with non-cannabis touching. So I have had such an incredible deep dive in the past almost decade um, into seeing really, it's a funny, I actually have a, a, a two uh, retailer meetings later today after this, um, after our webinar. And really, even as the CIO of a company, I'm still going in talking to bud tenders, still going in talking to buyers. And so I think that that's one of the biggest issues right now with the, with the bud tender turnover is, um, well, there's several things. One, Anytime you have, you know, a consumer packaged goods, um, you know, business, the people at the retail level usually have the highest turnover because they are usually paid a little bit lower. Um, and retail environments are typically very stressful. You're under, you know, fluorescent lighting. You don't get um, the same kind of uh, breaks as some other people do who are working in an office setting and it's a little bit less constricted. Um, and also there's just, there's a lot of saturation um, in the brands and in the space. And so there's not a lot of loyalty coming from the consumer to the brand. Um, and so that, that lack of loyalty also, you know, especially since bud tenders move around a lot, you'll meet a bud tender. They've worked at five different dispensaries. Um, I really think that it's um, a lack of focus on professional development, not only in their actual day-to-day -day jobs, but also around the products that they're that they're working with more than just like a 15 minute lunch and learn where maybe they get some, some information, but there's no repetition. No one's coming back in to reinforce that, those key selling points. Um, and also just not feeling respected. The way that I put it is bud tenders are pharmacists. They are not paid as pharmacists. They are not trained as, trained as pharmacists and they are not um, educated and given the respect that pharmacists are given. But by all, you know, coming from California, obviously we're built on a medical model. You really are consulting with people who are just coming out of a cancer treatment or who are having erectile dysfunction and they want to have a serious conversation about, um, you know, a medical issue. And you've got an 18 year old or 21 year old in some cases that because, you know, they have a different relationship with the plant, it doesn't really mesh. And so I think that there's, there's a lot we can dive into into this conversation, but I think that yeah. it's a, an amalgamation of a, a total 
um, ignoring of the well-being of the bud tender. Everyone just uses them as an object to sell their products. They don't really see what it's like to live a day in their life. Yeah. So, I mean, that's advice for a brand is you should probably do a, uh, I don't even know what you'd call it, but basically just shadow a bud tender or just live the life of a bud tender for one day. And then you'll actually get a, an idea of what it's like to, to be in the front lines, right? Yeah. It's like an audit, you know, it's like a lot of these, you'll be able to tell, you know, you'll ask them, Oh, have you tried this? Oh, I, I actually can't afford that. And we don't really get a discount here. And it's like, Oh, okay. Now we know that our, our sale, our outside salespeople essentially is what bud tenders are for us as brands. Yeah. They're not being they they they're not even with they're priced out of engaging with our brand and even getting a couple free samples. I mean, it's hard to sample out a three hundred dollar rig to you know a thousand dollars in an area, but you know for brands it, it is hard for struggling brands to be able to every store they drop off enough for everyone there to try it. It can be very very stressful on both ends. So this is a conundrum that I'm glad that we're having this conversation around because I don't know that this is really ever you know looked at in a in a holistic way. And the other part of that is that if a button doesn't try it, they're not going to promote it and sell it. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, and I, I think was, a lot of people yeah. on this call know that, you know, and I, I think that, you know, with them being trained, like training a new staff member, yeah. if you're actually, if you're actually giving them like leaf.vip is a good example. I did some trainings for them. They provided lunch. We sat in, we chopped it up with them. Very low, low salesy, very just vibey. And they all got, we all, they all downloaded it on their phones and they got paid $5 per two minute video that they watched. Jetty Extracts, Kiva, different brands would pay to be on this platform, but leaf.vip was the one that went in and converted them. And the store didn't have to do anything. They weren't out money. They weren't out time. They got, it, this was a, you know, a lunch break. These, these folks would have taken anyway, and they're loving it. They're seeing someone come in, loving their folks up and they could do it on their own time. They get a $5 PayPal that in the morning when they're getting ready on the toilet, they could even study this stuff. You don't even have to be anywhere in an office. So finding ways like that, that, that when you're training a new staff member, doing an audit and saying, what is the age group? What is, what incentivizes them? Are they more into a pizza party? Or are they more into going to a VIP event at a sporting event? Get to know every store, even on the same block has a different culture. So I think that we try yeah. to apply something to everything. We just have brand ambassador programs and everyone just goes out and, and does the same thing in every store without just checking it out, hanging out, going in and buying something from them, like sit and actually consult with them, see how knowledgeable they are, see what excites them. And then when you come in for your lunch and learn, you remember these three only smoke flour, this one does edibles, this one said he was priced out and you, you, you make an amalgamation of that in the way that you approach their training. Yeah. And given the the high turnover with so many you know, new staff members being trained, how can a cannabis brand create meaningful relationships with fleeting staff? Well, I think that, you know, those loyalty programs that we're talking about, there's a lot of really interesting loyalty programs that are run by brands and third parties. Um, a lot mm -hmm. of them have really interesting integrations into backend POS so they can run um, bud tender deals through like, let's say they're using Blaze or Trees or Meadow. Um, they can, you know, integrate into these backends for an incentive program. Um, and then once they mm -hmm. leave, at least they have their data capture. They can send it out. Hey, we know maybe you're no longer with this company. We would love to stay in touch with you if you're a bartender at another, um, at another shop. Um, something that kind of keeps a, um, a composite um, and, and a space. And, you know, pe people are doing a great job with the G4 uh, Live Bud Tender Awards and really acknowledging and creating a, a place for them to live. Um, there's the High Bud Tenders podcast um, that I was actually featured on that's really cool. That's really focused on educating bud tenders where there's a, a rich comment section. 
Um, I think that like making making sure that they know that they really work for the people in the plant and the brand that they the the store that they work at might not be a good fit, but that they're seen and they're important and not disposable in the industry. And if they landed in a pool that just redirected back out, we wouldn't, in my opinion, see the brain drain that we're seeing from the cannabis industry. I'm a teacher, mm -hmm. you know, during COVID, I was looking into getting back into the classroom. I saw my credential, like people are getting, you know, I just saw someone in the parking lot yesterday in Oakland. She used to be a bud tender. She's wearing um, a scrubs. She's working in a dental hygiene office. And she was an amazing, you know, black female empowered, wonderful bud tender. And mm -hmm. I know these people have had thousands and tens of thousands of dollars invested in them from brands and their retailers into education and free samples. Why are we not accounting for that turnover? On a corporate level, we account for turnover from salaried positions, but from an industry level, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, it's, uh, you, you have to stay on top of it. And I've always liked, um, what's the company's name? Uh, Zoltrain. I don't know if you've ever if you've seen those landing pages. I love those landing pages for education, for bud tenders. Yeah. We use it with some of our partners. And it's just like, boom, you get you get the story. You get the the mission, the vision, the uh, the sourcing of the products. You get the differentiator. Like all these things are, you know, they're important for selling your brand. Because, I mean, especially in this, there's I don't know how many thousands of brands in the cannabis industry. But in California, just has tons, and I don't know how many are going to be left after in the next few years. But you know, the ones that uh, the ones that do invest in training. In bud tenders and their sales team, and then invest in marketing. Those are the ones that are going to be, you know, here in a few years. So, absolutely. Yeah, what is and another thing, getting back to just another point to that that I'm downloading as yeah. you're saying it is, yeah. if you were a retailer or a bud tender, wouldn't you like to have a kiosk that answered a lot of the questions and maybe it, you're even learning from it? As like, wouldn't you like to have like a an automated um colleague that you when there's a huge line and you haven't taken your lunch break and you need to go to the bathroom and you know what I'm saying? Like the, it's also we're getting back into centering ourselves into what it's like to be a retail worker. It's like those things are not only great for the consumer, but they also reinforce the training and allow for some breathing room on the retail floor. Yeah. Yeah. Where are brands missing the mark with bud tender training? Um, we discussed a little bit. So, so creating a business plan that accounts for samples from your per, per day okay. one forma, I think is huge. Um, I think that having someone scheduled consistently where they're, they're going in every month or, or quarterly, um, because a lot of us have small updates in, in, in dosage or packaging or little things. And it's good to just, you know, bud tenders are not on newsletters. You have to remember, this is a different population, different education level, different income level, different, um, you know, even, even ethnic and cultural breakdown. It really looks different from the executive side of the cannabis industry for reasons we, we understand, hopefully. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's part of what it is, is kind of just understanding what their day-to-day -day life is like. And so food, providing food. I don't know if it's just because I'm a Jewish girl, but like, if there's no food around, there's no loyalty being bid. If you're throwing a party or an education <laughs> event or there's anything happening and I can't get a nosh, like that's not feeling loved. I I don't feel loved in that way. And a lot of my Latino friends are like that. A lot of other people are like that, where it's like, if you're going to sit me in a room on my lunch break, bring me some bomb burritos or Thai food. Feed or, me. Feed you know me. what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. why is that lost? Why is the Italian grandmother thing lost? Like people want to yeah. be, people want to feel seen as whole beings. And if you know that they're on their feet for 10 hours a day, six days a week, and they don't get paid nearly what probably they should 
most, a lot of them that are doing a really good job. Some of them are making, you know, are earning, earning what they deserve because they're clocking in and clocking out, but other ones really are extremely, um, I would say like a, have a sophistication about them and a seriousness to the way that they approach consulting that elevates the entire industry. And so I think that if there's no real way of accreditation, like with, with chefs, you can get a Michelin star. There's, there's some pathway towards recognition. I think that that's a big thing that brands can do. Like, for example, with Wonder Brett um, and a few different brands right now, we're doing it with Field. We're doing it with, uh, just got off the phone with Harborside and Urban Leaf, um, Nug, that they're using our dab. So the so instead of it just saying, I aspire branding, it has the the branding of the company or like a battery that has the branding of the of the of the dispensary so that um, they can have a fun gamified competition where they know that if they work harder that they will get hooked up and like I said it's not off the retailer's back it's the brand is running it right so baking it into your yeah. um into your into your budget knowing that you're probably going to spend a lot of time and also human resources right you're going to need a street team you're going to need um, we even have our brand ambassadors have to go through a training program and pass a test on how to run a dab bar, how to put this together, troubleshooting questions, um, how to tag us in social media. Um, it's not a huge deal, but it definitely takes takes time and resources and a dedicated marketing and salesperson to work together and create a, a program that makes sense for you. So I think that I don't know if people are really there. We're so busy in as brands in the cannabis space working in the business and we don't work enough on the business. And I re mm -hmm. really, really recommend do <clears throat> doing that. Agreed, agreed. Hey, what, what tactics can brands use to keep bud tenders engaged, you know, over time with the brand? Yeah, keep them engaged with the brand over months and years and, you know, really extend the lifetime value of that customer. Um, I really think, so I was working with Heaven, which didn't make it through COVID, but all we did was we used nano local influencers on social media to just drive people into retailers. And if the, re if the, if the person went in and bought something, the, the bud tender got incentivized with $5 PayPal right there, right then and there, like by the end of the day or within like a couple hours. So, um, that touch point and that building of the loyalty, I thought was a really important example, the leaf, the leaf.vip example. And also with Jetty, we have bud tender bashes, we have bud tender events, um, 420. We've had, you know, the 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 van would show up and take everyone to a local brewery and, and drinks on us and dinner. Um, things that just show them that you are actually going to be a partner in the long run instead of these highly transactional. I need you to sell my product. I'm desperate for, for, you know, getting my business up and running as an entrepreneurial energy coming to someone who's sitting in behind a counter, just fielding questions all day. Um, I think that they're the things that move them and the things that are exciting to them and the things that they can do in their off time, um, are going to be a lot different than the ways you would incentivize your, um, executive sales team within the brand, um, internally. So, I think that just like having, you know, having that, um, that profile of which region your key regions are and what are their key motivators. Like in LA, it's like Lakers tickets, like all day, you know what I mean? In the yeah. day, a Giants yeah. tickets all day. Um, someone comes into town, you know, we took, we were in Vegas. We took some of our clients out to a, a, a big DJ um, club and it took them a year for us then to go out with us. And we ended up closing that deal. Like little things where it's like, I always say love is lucrative, right? It's like, if you actually show that you care beyond just transacting, you will see so much more responsiveness when you send samples out and you come back the next week. Hey, how were your samples? People actually responded to being like, I didn't see where those went or I don't know, or 
You know what I'm saying? Like there's a big difference between um, just like teaching public school. Some of the kids check out, some of the kids are really engaged. And as an educator, I had to figure out who were the ones that were going to excel, push them to their limits, support the other ones as much as possible, try to team them up with other good ones, you know, making sure that, you know, that, that the leaders of those bud tenders continuously be our kind of your trainer in-house for the, you know, at the retailer for you, but it takes a lot of time and energy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then as far as frequency, like how often as a brand should you visit a dispensary to maintain relationships with butt tenders? I mean, you said you drop in every week, but like realistically, you know, what should well, you do? Well, it'd probably be the 80, 20 rule kind of a thing where you're, you're, yeah. you know, you're giving um, 80% of your time to the, to the 20% that are doing the most revenue um, unless there's an easy way. So we have a video box that we send uh, to our B2B white label clients, um, brands and, and, and oil fillers that when they open up, it has a video. So it walk, it's like a 60 second video it can be recharged by USB people. I mean, it's a novelty. People love it. They always lose it and call me like, Oh my God, what is this thing on my desk? It's super fun. It's like a singing telegram, but Um, but it's referenceable, right? You can, you can review it. You can, you know, it it knows when it's being open and closed. So it, you know, it's kind of a, um, a presence that, that is, that is, that lands in a way that feels intentional and in a way that, you know, could be absorbed, um, Mm. POS, a really good, smart POS. You don't necessarily need to go in there every month. You could go in there quarterly. If you have a really good channel marketing person that did an audit on the space, figured out the type of POS that was needed, the kind of messaging for that client. Um, you know, a lot of paid ads and placement to drive in new leads, all of that kind of stuff works, you know, with the TVs and the, the layout, um, figure out which are your premier, you know, your, your premier shops that the people are responsive, that they work on email, that they don't have dramas or problems with drop-offs or payments or metric that their staff is, you know, like you kind of have to put your energy into the ones you're like, y'all know what you're doing. You're professional. You're, 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 you know, you're put together and you're going to continue pushing my business forward. Um, and the other ones that, that are just not showing love and they don't feel like they're being well-kept and they don't, you don't feel like you see a lot of movement or there's a lot of turnover and just the vibes are weird. Um, you know, just a strong, strong POS and quarterly is probably fine, but for, but for your killer accounts, you should be in there as much as possible. I mean, we, you should, yeah, as much as possible. It's never too much. Yeah. I mean, you can, someone should be walking through there every week. Ideally, in your yeah. in your if you're in like a MedMen or a or a you know um, a Harborside Urban Leaf Urbana, like they they if they see you, that's how I built my whole career. Is I did every first Friday at Harborside for five years. I did a buy one get one on Jetty cartridges. I mean, I was giving people back before in probably 2015. They would come buy 15 cartridges and come to me at the table on the sales floor and grab another 15 and walk out. They were essentially getting wholesale, no tax. Like if you think if it comes, you know, if you think about it, because they're just getting buying one at retail, getting one for free. So, you know, we have a we have a, a bunch of bud tenders and and patients that have been getting hooked up and laced up with free product for a decade and then everything shifted. So there's also a lot of, you know, that disgruntled nature of they used to get, you know, 15 to 20% off. They used to be able to smoke blunts in the back room and take dabs in the back room. They used to have a chiller environment. Now they have more people coming in because of you know. Uh, it's recreational asking more questions, more basic questions before patients were pretty well educated and none of the free samples from reps when they come in, none of the, none, and their, their wages haven't gone up at all, but their yeah. ex, the executive wages above them have, and they've watched that and they're pissed. You know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. they frozen in time. They're the unpaid pharmacists. 
Yeah, that's a tough one. I guess it's hard to compare I mean, for me on the outside looking in, it's hard to compare a bud tender to a pharmacist because bud tenders didn't go through the education the pharmacist did. Right? I know, but if you need a medical yeah. recommendation to, to go to a dispenser, if you need a recommendation and they're the one dispensing, they're more of a more of a medical dispenser, like a yeah. true dispenser. But you need a you need a medical document though. You need a licensed doctor to actually say that you could go there because ninety percent of the clubs that are open in California were medical. So they all they did was yeah. they just changed a couple things. But it's you're still. I mean, if, if you're telling someone who has breast cancer that they should be using a high THC product and you don't know that THC is estrogenic and that CBD is the way to go, and you're just telling everyone that high THC is the bomb because you saw. Wiz Khalifa smoking it because you're a college kid, like you can put someone <laughs> in danger. That's what I yeah. mean by pharmacist is like, you're, you are the gatekeeper for access to a plant that people may or may not have a, a cogent relationship with. And if you're yeah. not responsible for how you assist that, you could turn someone off to cannabis forever. You could really harm them. Yeah. I mean, there's I nothing worse point, than over. There's not, there's nothing worse than all that. You can't overdose on cannabis, but if you take too much edibles, you'll be stuck for a day, two days. And yeah, you're never going to want to do it again. Same thing with any other substances. Right. So, um, yeah, just kind of being aware of that. Is there any difference in strategy between like a medical and a rec market? Well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're looking at Germany right now and some other medical okay. markets in the U.S. that are really talk about just talk about pharmacists. And th this is so funny yeah. because in Germany, we can't do vapes because they can't accurately dose how much because it's essentially it's an open container, right? Like this is an open yeah. container. I'm self-dosing. So which I think is silly because you still get a full bottle of like cough syrup or promethazine and you just assume that you're going to dose it out. Or uh, I, I don't know. These There's other controlled substances that we figured it out with, but THC is a problem, obviously. So that's a major gatekeeper to, um, you know, really that the medical minded concept is so limiting because this plant is so prolific and potent and it's not alcohol. It's not these other substances like an aspirin that you can perfectly dose every time. I mean, you can get multiple different phenotype expressions from the same cut and same mother and same strain with completely different terpene and cannabinoid profiles. They're not completely different, but variable enough that it's not, you know, it's more than a 10% up, up uh, you know, over under variance. That's, yeah. that's not pharmaceutically um, viable. Yeah. So I yeah. think that, you know, I was in Colorado and I remember being really uncomfortable doing this tour um, of, I'm forgetting what it was, what the name of the club was, but we walked in and we're in the lobby and someone comes out and goes, um, medical, like screams it, like, <laughs> like school lunch lady screams it. And there's like a whole line for the rec area. And then there was like a, a, a fork in the, in the hall to the other area. And the, and the guy gets up and walks over it. I found as a Californian who really has been around, I mean, I was in sixth grade when prop 215 passed, I've been smoking, selling, being around growing it since I was 11 years old in, in middle school. So like, I, I understand the medical model to my bones. I'm, I, I consider myself a patient. So seeing that in that way, that was so profound. It was like, disrespectful. <laughs> and, and, but it goes back to the point of that. That's a retail person just trying to get through their day. You know what I mean? So it's like, you're trying to put a medical model, but this person's like a Walgreens worker. that's just like number 48, your fart, your, your thing's ready. And not and being like, oh, you know, your, your erection pills are here. Or like your lube, ma'am, like no one, or like, Hey, I found your, you know, your pregnancy test. Like these are ADA, these are confidential 
you know, you don't want to be identified in a group and everyone else is wrecked because they're going out partying and you're the one that's a sick person there. So I don't know if that necessarily answers your question, but I, 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 I believe all use is medical use, but continuing to treat it so clinically and not, it goes back to that. Are we pharmacists or not? Stop acting like it's a controlled substance. If you're going to have random untrained people with no education background check, you know, right now it's it's like you can get a, a Burger King and working at a club. There is no difference. Like clubs don't re- don't don't expect any more than a yeah. fast food restaurant as far as education goes. Yeah, and that example you mentioned is it seems like well, number one, not not only bud tender training, but just in general training for your staff and from the retail level sounds like an operational problem. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of retailers that don't know what they're doing. They don't have retail background. You're supposed to greet customers. You're supposed to smile. You know, there's all these different things. Customers always right, like that you would know if you worked in retail. You think, right. <laughs> I know. But we're so you know, spoiled. But yeah, some maybe it's uh yeah, yeah. On the on the retail side, it's just people, you know, maybe they're not hiring retail people. That's just first mistake right there. <laughs> Hire someone that has the experience in retail. Like fast food is fine or, you know, work at a clothing store. Yeah. Doctor's office. There you go. Yep. Yeah. And I've heard of, you know, wild brand incentives, like prizes, uh, you know, cash incentives, Amazon gift cards, et cetera, et cetera. Do these work? Absolutely. If you were making $8 an hour, 15 to $18 an hour, you don't, you don't think 25 bucks means something. Yeah. That's four hours of work. That's three hours of work right there. (laughs) Uh, you would be even even just within companies I've worked at the 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 executive staff that works in the office that is incentives and the uh, the the incentives that work for the warehouse staff are completely different and it's not based on budget it's based on yeah. like when they vote on what they want to do they're just yeah. they're just cultural it's completely cultural yeah you know? exactly even from both neighborhoods like I have one neighborhood that's like always playing like mariachi and putting off fireworks and I have another neighborhood that's always just like everything smells like Chinese food and they always have their like and then two blocks of me on either side it's just like you know that these folks values and we're all living together we all love each other and work together but there's very distinct value systems not one's not better than the other this is what makes our our space so vibrant and beautiful and that's why I live in the Bay Area and in California I love the the melting pot it, it makes us so strong and and so um empowered as a as a community because we're all coming together on cannabis so that's the thing that we have to remember is like most of them smoke weed it doesn't even have to be money it could just really be the product but the problem is is there's no way right now to give free product to bud tenders unless you're going through a back alley way backdoor way or you're doing it through metric um, but then you'd have to do it as sb34 and each of them would have to sign up as a medical patient or um there, there's like, there's like some ways to do it. We can actually talk about that. I mean, I think a lot of bud tenders and brands need to really be thinking about SB 34 if they can afford. Um, well, first of all, you shouldn't be in business. Let me just say this. You should not be. What is SB 34, by the way? I should probably define that. <laughs> so Senate, Senate bill, California Senate bill 34, a lot put back into prop 64, what 215 had in California when we went from medical to rec that you could gift compassionate. So like as Jetty, I could walk in, drop off a hundred cartridges and say that 50 are for compassion. 
and they would have their own program on site, CBC or whatever, where they would either use mm. uh, medical, uh, like saying that you had cancer or saying that you were low income or saying that you're doing some kind of community service. Like we, we really didn't define it. We've defined it very, very broadly. What was compassion? Um, and you just had to just, everyone was just like, okay, you're in our program. It's just like signing up for the mailing list, you know, or whatever. And so they would come in, they would have their name on it. They would get their compassion every month. Um, Jetty would hand deliver it to cancer patients for ourselves directly, not through the retailers. And then when 64 ha happened, we had to do it through the retailers, but 34 hadn't been passed yet. There was a gap after it was passed where we as brands were still getting charged um, the like 25% on the retail value. So if I was giving away like a hundred dollars worth of product, I'd be I, 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 you'd have, I'd have to pay, um, like 25 or whatever dollars on top of that. So if I'm giving away thousands of dollars of product, I'm paying, not only am I losing the product, but I'm also like paying taxes on a gift. So we worked really hard to change that through SB 34. Um, but what I was going to say is you should not be in cannabis. If your business plan does not account for, for compassionate care and bud tender incentives, I would, I'll say compassion first Everyone who started in cannabis, the way we grow right now, myself, I have a compassionate grow and I gift it to veterans and ill people. This is the nature and the basis of this, of this industry. Every brand, no matter how crunchy or cold or cool or like LA, doesn't matter where they were, everyone had a budget for giveaways for patients and low-income people. It's what Brownie Mary and Dennis Prone fought for. That's why 215 was here. That's why we've been able to scale legal tax control and regulation across the world from California specifically was because it was based on compassion, which started with AIDS patients in the, in the 80s and Brownie Mary bringing in brownies to wait to uh, young gay men dying of wasting syndrome in San Francisco. So there's a legacy that you're standing on. If you're in the cannabis industry, your pro forma needs to bake into a triple, the triple bottom line is people. And we can put bud tenders into that because essentially they're also on the ground, working class, hardworking um, ad advocates for your brand and for, for the plant and for everyone. They're, you're, they're the point of contact and the first, you know, in line of combat. So yeah. that's the most important thing is that, that, that if this is not something that your company is talking about, the loyalty piece, the relevance piece, the, the training piece, the sell-in and the sell-through pieces, all those things that we do spend a lot of time on aren't going to matter because you are not going to be relevant. People will always go towards a brand with a story, will always go towards a brand that's giving back. I was selling Jetty into places that couldn't afford us just because we had, had a give back program and they knew that, yeah, my cartridge is $25, the other ones are 20 but you know that you're, we're hooking up 400 active patients in California right now that are getting a gift bag. And when bud tenders could say that to a client saying, Hey, I know that this is, you know, at, at retail, that would be 10 bucks more, right? Cause it's five, five wholesale. So yeah, the gold drop one is 20 bucks. This one's 30 bucks or sorry, 40 and, and 50, it's $10 more. But here's a little poster that explains with a photo of like our first patient that we gave it to, um, Hey, this is what you're giving to. Like we do custom ratios for people that are actively in cancer treatment. Like we were really, we had a whole program, a case management program just for that. And the budgeters could talk about it. They felt good. The people felt good. And they were technically making more money too, in a way, because they were still, you know, they're still making a little bit more too. So it really is a win, win, win everyone feels like they're part of something instead of it being yeah. this very siloed transactional experience that I see in the retail space. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you're sharing mad knowledge over here. So <laughs> thank you for that. Uh, you know, switching gears to the consumer focus. Uh, if a cannabis brand is entering a new market, how can they build relationships with brand new you know, customers 
I mean, never heard of the brand. You know, it's interesting. I've been seeing a lot of people um, putting, like doing adjacent advertising to mainstream. So like Can is a good example. Um, I'm forgetting the brand now that does those cool um, bongs and ashtrays that are glass with the silicone on them. Session, I think. Um, yeah. They use like broccoli and they use like Cheetos. And so they're able to like, and Can did this whole oh, thing. Oh, Raw uses that... Uh... On their TikTok, he just uses like random flour, right? It's so funny. It's so Herbs. funny. Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I I think that viral content that can reach into that area is always a really that's just what I've been seeing recently. Um, because like around the holidays, Can had a non-alcoholic, or sorry, a um just a, a non-cannabis infused mixer that they were suggesting. I, I'm actually kind of forgetting what it was, or or maybe they did an alcohol infused can basically straddled cannabis and alcohol, which obviously you can't have them in the same product, but it was a Baron Davis um, and Kate, what's her name from uh, Almost Famous and like really just created comedy and silliness around it, but it wasn't a cannabis branded product, but it was by a cannabis brand, if that makes sense. Mm. Like, I think yeah. that that's kind of disruptive and interesting. And I mean, I aspire personally, we went with um, Arch Rival as our PR firm over a couple of other really good cannabis um, marketing agencies. Um, sorry, not PR firm, marketing agencies um, for just brand assets and brand guidelines and just kind of basic stuff that we that we didn't want to bring in-house specifically because they had launched Nike or um, Adidas and they worked with um, Red Bull and they do all this experiential marketing that's really aspirational and in a lifestyle space that like, in a lot of ways, we I wanted to work with cannabis people, but it was really interesting working with their team to see um, the different perspectives because they're also the canna curious and the intender group that they're actually doing their competitive analyses of and their market research um, data um, analysis from. So it's, it is really important to have people, both people on your team, we say roots and suits together, make, make <laughs> it happen. You have to you have, have so many great one-liners, by the way. I know, you know. Roots and suits, healers, not dealers, love is lucrative. Yeah, I love all that. Well, and it goes back to your point of like, how do you keep it up? Is like, as a movement, we, cannabis doesn't have a PR firm. We don't have talking points that when you yeah. come into a cannabis job, yeah. you're like, this is what we say. So I, I like repeating them and, and doing that because it's it's nice to have an echoing where you can talk to anyone at any place in the yeah. cannabis industry, yeah. anywhere in the world, and they know what time it is. Exactly. You know, they know the assignment. Exactly. Exactly. And then I, on my side, you know, I'm obviously in uh, I'm marketing. Uh, so we've, I've, I've been focused on customer acquisition for, for brands for since 2014. So, you know, social media, I would say is brand awareness play, right? That's top of funnel, getting people to know about you. PR is the same thing. Programmatic advertising is the same thing. Um, Google display advertising is the same thing. Those are all top like, brand awareness plays. Right. Um, so you get people to know who you are, maybe get them to your website and then you need to continue to, to retarget them. Right. You need to follow them with that. So you can continue to do that with programmatic. Yep. I would create uh, I mean, probably some custom landing pages uh, similar to what you can do with Zoltrain, you know, your mission, vision, product, you know, everything, anything that really showcases your differentiator you should do. Uh, invest in content, right? Blogs, invest in contributing articles to third-party websites, uh, educate bud tenders, obviously no brainer, educate your consumers. 
give as much information about who you are, you know, who, what, when, where, why, like people, people buy for the, you know, because of the why now. So just came up with that one on the fly. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, we buy with our, our lives. Events. I like that. Yeah. Events is going to be huge. Right. So anyway, you can participate in events, experiential. I know it's, it's challenging for cannabis, but there's ways you can do it. Like you don't need to uh, have a partnership with Coachella to market to people at Coachella. Right. So you can be in Palm Springs in, in the area and there's ways that you can activate at events, um, whatever it is, sponsoring a restaurant, doing yeah, whatever, you know, flying, flying, uh, flying over Coachella with, uh, you know, one of, the, one of those banners I've seen. I mean, I've seen it all. <laughs> the, my ultimate Luna that I want to do at one of the events is I want to throw a cannabis event and I want, I want drones to fly over dropping parachutes of weed on everyone. Yes. Let's no one's ever done that. <laughs> Don't steal it. <laughs> no, that's I really awesome. want to do that one. <laughs> and then have them do a drone show at the same time. Right. It's like, boom. That's where I thought you were going with it. I'm with that too. We were at EDC. So it was right after um, Electric Daisy Carnival is one of the largest raves in the world in Vegas. And it was the day, it started the day after MJ BizCon ended last I year. I was there too. Yes. Oh, <laughs> saw hell cas- yeah. Saw Cascade, saw Purple Disco Machine, saw everyone. Yeah. Dude, it's funny. When everyone. I told you about that Vegas show that I took our client to, it was a Cascade show. Um, there you so, go. Yeah, that's so we, we the took best. Our it was, and that, that's another thing about like retention and stuff too. It's like my CRO um actually interestingly enough the way we got the edc tickets was through an interesting another interesting bud tender and retail incentive program which was very radical in the sense that it actually set a precedent for selling a a a mainstream event ticket through a cannabis outlet uh cookies partnered with um they have like a bunch of fig farms eighths quarters Mm -hmm. and ounces and if you went in, they did um, a partnership with Rainbow RMBW, which is Insomniac, the production yep. company that's on EDC has now a cannabis brand. And they did a soft launch of it. I don't know if you saw the RMBW with the, with the, the huge hand smoking, like an electric spliff, an electric joint, um, no can, but there's EDC still very not cannabis friendly, but they sold. So I went in and bought three ounces or whatever, three or four ounces and with those ounces, got a VIP ticket, which was worth more than the, than, than, you know what I mean? Like I saved yeah, money then the actual, yeah, I got it. and I got four ounces. Like it was a net positive across the board. And I got to go into a cookie store, see my, my friends that work with at the, at the Oakland downtown cookies. And I, you get a commemorative ticket that you then go online and get the tickets through. So essentially they, what they remember when you start to go to, to get your ticket master at like a CBS yeah. or a Safeway, or, you know, you just have to buy your tickets from a, from a, from a, a, a grocery In store. person, old school throwback nineties. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, so it's the same concept. Like it, 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 instead of a CBS, it's a cookies. And instead of ticket master, it was, it was insomniac. So that's a really cool way. It got me in the store and I'm like, I'm now I'm posting and I'm like, I get to tag Fig Farms. I'm tagging Rainbow. I'm tagging Cookies Oakland. I'm tagging the bud tenders that I know there, the manager, my friend who's our owner. And all of a sudden it's this huge. And, and the only reason I knew about it is because my friend Donnie, who was working for Rainbow, posted it on his story saying, hey, there's this thing for EDC. And I was like, we were going to go to EDC anyway. Let's do this. So we were completely unengaged with the cannabis industry and it got pulled, it pulled me in through a social post that got me into a retail store and then tagging and posting out and tagging and tagging insomniac and everyone. So there's seven or eight people all with tens of thousands of followers 
on this one post of me just like the night before leaving for Vegas with my ounces and my commemorative cards to buy these tickets. Yeah, like exactly. that, that's, and that's the kind a- of guerrilla marketing which we, we need to see more of. Yeah, and if you, you know, number one, make a great product, right? If you don't make a great product, then no matter what you do, you're not going to be able to put lipstick on a pig. Like, it's just not going to go anywhere. So create a great product. There has to be a why behind it, right? So, I mean, I know cannabis consumers in general, they they do a lot of price shopping. So they're not, you know, they're not as, not as loyal to brands as other industries, but that's changing, right? Customers are getting more sophisticated. They want consistency with the product. They want consistency with the outcome of the product, right? Uh, I know that you know, City of Indica, you know, old school way of doing things is in labeling things. Um, and that's evolving, right? People are I mean, people are going to buy products because they want to sleep or they they want uh, visuals or they want to go for a run. Like they, there's reasons that they use a specific product or strain or whatever it might be. Uh, I can, me personally, I don't ever smoke Indica's. My favorite's like Durban Poison or classic Blue Dream. Like, you know, I, I love that. And I, I never smoke Indica, like, especially when I go to events and I'm trying to network and everything. Like I can't smoke someone's random joint because like, I don't know what's in it. And then boom, then I'm dead and I can't talk. Right. So <laughs> you gotta, you gotta know, know what you're using. Uh, but where I was going with that is if you make a great product, consumers are going to be your biggest ambassadors, right? Gorilla, uh, word of mouth marketing, that's by far Trump's all other marketing, branding, anything they can do PR, word of mouth, word of mouth is going to crush everything. Absolutely. So, so make sure that you uh, make it easy for people to share a story, make it easy for people to tag you to check in if they're at a location, uh, to engage with you, just make it easy for, for people and even do a refer a friend, you know, deal, like refer a friend, get 10% off your next order, like give, give them something, right? It's not, it's, I, I know there's a lot of companies in the cannabis space, a lot of brands, and it's hard to differentiate yourself in the industry. And I know that, you know, it's given an even more challenging right now because, uh, the recession, the uh, drop in disposable income, you know, all the laundry lists of challenges that cannabis companies have to go through, all the hoops that you have to jump through, all the taxes you have to pay. Like it's, you know, as uh, Forbes, you know, had on the on the cover with, with Burner as like mar- marijuana meltdown, right? It's like, all right, setting us up to fail. Like that part. Yeah. <laughs> It's been a rigged game from the beginning. They don't want us to win. And that they forgot when they buried us that we're seeds. So we we about to grow out this. Yeah, it's all, you know, they don't want uh, they don't want to get into the pockets of the pharmaceutical alcohol tobacco companies. That's that's pretty much it. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Uh, you know, with every company in every sector of this industry fighting to win consumers' attention, what are the best ways to stand apart from the competition and create these meaningful relationships? I think really going back to what we were just talking about, I think yeah. like making, it, it's interesting how much iSpire has been able to do in a year of having these devices out. Like we've been around for a couple of years. It'll be my two year anniversary um, in a week or so. Um, but like our team always walks around shows with these plugs. Mine's the little, the little one, but they have big blinging ones. 
and just with our shirts and like dope hardware, we wear that. We wear it in airports. We wear it out to restaurants. We wear it when we're on the weekends. And people ask us all the time. They're always engaging with us, and they're always at the shows. They always remember us. You know, we 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 always throw a good party. People always get hooked up. They always, you know, I have a, a business card, and they hear repeated every time they're at you know one of our things. Sip it, don't rip it, or you know, no, you know, all glass, no atomizer, just dab. We say it over and over and over. We start hearing other people, just like with Jetty, I would notice too, after a four hour demo, people kept saying like, oh, this is how I use the dabblicator and keep saying like my little quips. And like you were saying, you, you even memorize them just from this conversation. Like, yeah, <laughs> it be something, show up, be something and say something that people want to hear and, you know, give them a reason to want to repeat it to the people that they most love and care about, not just who they're getting paid to do it with. That's not easy to do. Um, this is kind of why I think the cannabis industry is an interesting space is things get shaken out that don't really fit. And I think that, you know, companies would do good to kind of do um, a review of all of like their, their competitors and their spaces to see how they're contributing to social causes, how their turnover is like, check out their LinkedIn. Like, do they have a bunch of new openings? Are they, you know, do they have a, you know, check out their rating on, on Glassdoor? Like, are they a good company? Like how are people yeah. that we are idolizing actually doing? And how are people that are struggling that have good business models that need to be supported doing things right? Like we, I think we need some a little bit more awareness about where we stand and honesty for it's really hard for founders and executives to take responsibility for our, for our lack of foresight or for oversights that we've had in the course of decisions we make for the business. But after hearing this webinar and all the things that are coming up for either, yes, this is really like what I'm already doing, or maybe I really need to work a little harder on some of these elements is intentionally setting time in your schedule, intentionally setting time in your budget, because the only real way to make an impact is to show up and show out a hundred percent instead of that's why I said the 80, 20 rule, like don't just sprinkle yeah. yourselves out across every single place, find the people that care about you and invest in those relationships, have them have a, you know, do a pop-up at an event. We always see these collaborations. We're, we're a device manufacturer when then we get a concentrate manufacturer and then we get a retailer um, and then maybe a media partner at, sometimes at one booth. And it's just like, Oh, this is the, you know, the nug dab with nugs oil in it. And we're giving out, you know, coupons for Urbana, which is right down the street. We're at like some garden, you know, garden party, you know, some a couple of gardens, for example, where they're able to like really create an ecosystem in a 10 by 10 with four different yeah. reps from four different companies. I mean, if you're not doing that and you're not spending time building that, you're probably going to, it's going to be very lonely and being lonely in the cannabis space, which is a really dynamic <laughs> ecosystem is, is not the way to, is not the way to survive. Yeah. And the uh, cannabis is, is I don't know. I find it hard to be lonely in cannabis. Like this is a community, right? And you know, a community-based brand builds loyalty not by driving sales and transactions, but it's by helping people meet their needs. Right. right. So why are I mean, why are people drawn into cannabis brand communities in the first place? Well, we're the renegades, we're the underground, we're the speakeasy, we're the, oh, you also do things. I mean, I've traveled around the world and I've never seen a ball of hash or a spliff or a joint open as many doors for me, whether it's backstage passes, friends that we <laughs> eat in the park, then food, alcohol, cigarettes, yeah. any, and, and we already talked about- Well, except mushrooms. I think weed and mushrooms, those two can barely- well, yeah. well, and, what, and what you're pointing out is consciousness raising. Yeah. That is, that, and it gives me chills. 
that's the common thread with plant medicine. And that's why I really don't just focus on cannabis. I focus on psilocybin, all the entheogens, DMT, mescaline, all these things, because we're in a- And you're in San Francisco, right? So they just uh, decriminalize psychedelics, right? And I worked on decriminalizing Oakland. So this is very close to my heart. Denver and Santa Cruz, there's, there's four places now where you can gift, grow, and gather. And especially since a lot of bud tenders are millennials, like this is something that's very like Aquarian age of moving away from this concept of like, I believe something outside of myself to I truly know, and I have everything I need within me and consciousness raising plant medicines like cannabis and psilocybin and things, they bring people close together because you don't have to have that conversation. It's not like a Thanksgiving dinner where you're talking to your uncle who will never get it. He's 70 years old and he's super conservative and whatever. These people already get you. You feel seen people, especially during COVID and, and isolation during the pandemic, yeah. There has to be a, a process of being seen and seeing other people in community that cannabis, there's nothing like can, cannabis is meant to be passed around. It is meant to be shared. It is, it's not like a cup of tea where everyone gets their own cup of tea. It's like a joint is rolled with the intention of bringing people pleasure in their bodies, their minds, their creative spaces, and their energies. Like you said, maybe before a run, maybe to like start off a meeting at, in, at iSpire, our executives smoke joints all day, every day. I just took a fat dab right before this interview. Like, yeah, can you do one right now for us? Yeah, it's a Boom, part of our you, you know, and it's like, it's, it's just, I, I think that the most important thing for people to realize about cannabis consumers is that we actually are second-class citizens. I'm not going to com- compare it to being, you know, black in America or a Jew in anti-Semitic space or any of that, because that's very real. But as far as like harm to your body and your, and your, and your liberty, 100% being a plant medicine user is criminalized to an extreme degree in this country. Mm-hmm. And us getting together is very healing and very empowering. And, and I believe a radical act. Yeah. And I, I remember reading this is actually the government paid the churches to, to, to make it bad. Right. And it's funny because, you know, in church, they say it's like God's plant, right? It's like, okay, well, everything's <laughs> conflicting. <laughs> yeah. every, and every, you know, they say that Jesus was anointed with hemp oil and the word cannabis is from Kane, which is in the old Testament of the, of the Hebrew, you know, yeah. the Torah and like, yeah. it's only been illegal since thir- 1937 with Aslinger. What's his name? I always call him Aslinger. I don't know his real name, but yeah. Anslinger. Um, yeah. It's a very new concept, you know, and then you see the pendulum swing, right, where it's like Colorado legalized and teenage use spiked and then it went back and then it dipped below pre-legalization levels because things are sexy when you say don't do it. But then when it just becomes another plant in grandma's garden and no one's tripping, the kids aren't trying to skip school to smoke weed anymore because grandma's making it into tea. That ain't sexy. That ain't cool. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this is the normalization process. This is how it happens. Is we're in a swing right now where we're seeing a lot of like, you know, in the vape crisis. The public have- public opinion has changed. I mean, in the last, I mean, since I got in the space, I mean, when I got in the space, we were like, you're in cannabis looking at you like what? And then now they're like, oh, damn, how do I join? Like, oh, how do I get involved? Yeah, my, my, my sister who's a public school teacher and all my friends who I was in the public school system for 10 years teaching, they all just unfriended me on, on social media. They're like, I don't want to see your weed post. I don't, you know, I lost my entire professional career by, by coming into cannabis when I did. Yeah. If I went in now, people be like, I get me a job there. And actually what's funny is all those people are now asking me for jobs in cannabis because they hate teaching during COVID. Um, yeah, exactly. It, it yeah. It changed. But that's good, um, right? You want normalization. Yeah. That helps everyone. That helps bud tenders feel safe too. Because bud tenders, another thing we didn't talk about is bud tender safety. I have a lot of friends who have been involved in raids and robberies and it's very unsafe, just like being a public school teacher, like, you know, school shootings and stuff. So 
safety protocols, having really good security staff. That's extremely important. I agree. I agree. I mean, especially nowadays with um, everything kind of going on, uh, as you said, with the school shootings and just uncer- like social uncertainty as a whole has just skyrocketed in the last eight years plus. So, yeah, uh, so I guess last there, question. Yeah. What, yeah, what are the metrics cannabis brands sh- should be paying attention to and following and really know, uh, you know, to create solid connections with bud tenders and, you know, brand new customers? I'm telling like some you KPIs. Too. Yeah. KPIs. Um, well, those talk to Jocelyn Sheltra at yeah. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Talk to Gary Allen at New Frontier Data. Talk to Guillermo at Media Gel. Talk to me and talk to um the uh the folks at leaf.vip are is another amazing one. Um and impact is our social media marketing. Um, what do they do? They do influencer uh, campaign management. Those are the people that can give you in their pitches without even having to necessarily like, you know, commit to, a, to, to being a partner or anything. They can just let you know their value proposition. These are the, what yep. you don't need the unknown unknown. They, people around you in the community can tell you what you're not even being aware of. And then you can see how much you want to like invest in that. But without data coming through backend POS, all of it's hearsay. All of it's going to miss shoot. And I don't yeah. know about you guys, but when, when companies miss shooting cannabis, they don't, they don't really get a second or third chance. You can't no. miss fire no. in this space. You can't, oops, we overspent $300,000 and wasted five months. That, that, that's death. That, that, that's literally death. It's hunger games right now. So yeah. 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 Damn. Uh, well, I mean, Luna, thank you so much for sharing all your insights today. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with the audience before we we part ways today? Um, no, you can find me at lunastower.com or on, on uh, Instagram at, at Luna underscore Stower. Hit me up if you guys have any questions. Um, yeah, and just check out, you know, some organizations that I really love. The Social Impact Center in San Diego, they do work with expungement mm. for drug war cases. Um, yeah. Ryan Miller of Operation Evac, educating veterans about cannabis and Colin Wells from Veterans Walk and Talk run um, beautiful nonprofit charities that give back to veterans. If you have product that you want to donate, that's always really important. Um, also check out the cannabistrail.org if you want to learn more about their bud tender accreditation program. They work specifically with um, uh, mapping out the the history of cannabis in California. It's a, an incredible program. I'm, a, I'm an advisor for them and they're doing unbelievable work. Wow. Um, and yeah, that's, I had one other person I wanted to direct folks to that's doing good work, but it just slipped my mind. Maybe it was the dab. That's eh, all good. That's all good. Well, I appreciate it. And you know, thank you everyone for joining us today. You know, this is the Cannabis Marketing Live podcast sponsored by Media Gel. Uh, we cover everything related to marketing and tech, uh, social, programmatic, uh, you know, nurturing your existing customers, events, how to engage with your customers. So really, you know, you subscribe. Uh, and catch us on the next podcast on Thursday, October 6th at 11 a.m., 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we'll be discussing how to bring the CMO and CFOs together. So how strong C-suite relationships uh, trigger high-growth cannabis companies. And that's going to be uh, with CMO Jim Anstey. So catch us next, next week, and we'll catch you on the flip side.